0: The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by Beeline. Visit findyoursiffingpoint.com, by Michter's American Whiskies, and by 291 Colorado Whiskey.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Fred Minnick Show. I hope you're safe and healthy and sipping on a little something something that's quite tasty. A good bourbon, I hope. But today, today is a great day because you're going to get to hear a story. You're going to get to hear an interview with the legendary, the iconic, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. He made two top 100 all-time guitarist lists from the Rolling Stone, and he's still young. He's still young, but he started when he was about nine years old. He bought a guitar at a garage sale for five bucks. And since then, Derek Trucks has played for the Allman Brothers, his own band, and the Derek Trucks Band, the Tedeschi Trucks Band. He's collaborated with, you know, everybody from Government Mule to Bela Fleck and the Fleckstones, Jerry Douglas, Eric Clapton, Buddy Guy. He is considered the greatest all time uh, slide guitarist and his. He's just absolutely phenomenal. But what I learned about this guy in the interview was that Derek is a huge bourbon fan. Huge bourbon fan. And we basically spent a lot of time talking about bourbon. Also, what it was like, you know, trying to score a good bottle of bourbon while on the road when he was with the Almond Brothers and people like that. It's just um <laughs> he's just <laughs> He's just one of us, you know, he's just he's just a good old boy who happens to be uh, a child prodigy guitarist, you know, turned into one of the greatest of all time. Just an incredible, incredible interview. I love this. interview. it was probably probably one of my favorites I've ever done in my life because he's so talented. And I I'm not going to lie. I fanboyed out a little bit. So I hope you enjoy this interview. But first, a word from our sponsors.
0: 291 Colorado Whiskey aims to create a -a one-of-a-kind, bold, and beautiful Colorado whiskey. Rugged, refined, rebellious. Distillery 291 is an award-winning small-batch whiskey distillery located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak. Owner and founding distiller Michael Myers grew up on family farms in Georgia and Tennessee, across a countryside defined by rolling hills, horses, and whiskey. He set out to create a flagship whiskey that evoked the Wild West. A cowboy walking into a bar saying, give me a whiskey, and the bartender slamming down a bottle, a bottle of 291 Colorado Whiskey. Find a bottle near you at 291 coloradowhiskeycom Write it like you stole it, drink it like you own it,
2: live fast,
0: drink responsibly.
2: Imagine this, an experience centered around five Kentucky Bourbon Trail craft tour distilleries in northern Kentucky, the gateway to Kentucky bourbon. Add five amazing bourbon-centric bars and five delicious bourbon-focused restaurants, cultivating the freshest takes and culinary delights, and you are on the beeline. Start your trip today at findyoursippingpoint.com. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to Mictors.com or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery, it's all about the whiskey.
1: Hey, and joining the show is the great, the legendary, the iconic, the progeny, Derek Trucks, one well, of the greatest guitarists of all time, I believe the greatest guitarist of a generation, Derek Trucks, also a bourbon fan. How you doing, sir?
3: <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm excited for this interview there's not many that uh you really get excited for (laughs) this is beautiful me and my brother are both fans so glad to be i
1: appreciate that now you know i get that i get that a lot in 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 defense of my colleagues you know, who are interviewing you from like radio stations and stuff? They can't send you bourbon or anything like that. So they might be better if they were sending you bourbon.
3: That's true. That is true. You should tell them just to go ahead and send some.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, well, you know what I've what I've learned in the radio business is most people, you know, they uh, they get a sample and then they're supposed to send it to you, but then they drink it all. So <laughs> it happens. You know, I should have a bottle I'm gonna they, send to uh,
3: you. So. Uh,
1: oh, yeah. sweet.
3: We did a, I can't. we did a trucks family uh barrel pick up at uh Buffalo Trace and got a, a good Weller. Pretty incredible.
1: Oh, is it foolproof? Yeah, yeah, nice delicious stuff. So, you were so for, for those just joining, uh, Derek is um, uh, you know, formerly with the Allman Brothers, got the Derek Trucks Band. I mean, just so many. So many bands, and he's like the focal point of the sound, in my opinion, for a lot of the things you've done in your career. But one of the super secret things that he's had is he's had a bourbon connection all these years that <laughs> he's used to stock up and pile up that big old backdrop you see behind you, and the uh, if you're watching this on on the on the screen. So tell us about your bourbon hookup over the years. Well,
3: you know, it started when we were touring in uh, Kentucky uh, in our Winnebago. Uh, this guy that we call the Viking would he would show up with a, a a road case, a briefcase that would hold three or four bottles and uh maybe eight, ten shot glasses on the top. And originally it was me and Todd Smalley, our old bass player. He would he would get on the Winnebago, pour some drinks and would be like, I really like that one with the guy smoking the cigar and the the one with the <laughs> the stag and, and we'd get we'd get all of our per diem and give it to him and he'd run out and grab a few bottles and this is when you could just buy things off the shelf. So you're talking 79 bucks was high dollar. <laughs> and you, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so we would we would load up and just drink that stuff before we knew what it was. Um, you know, and then everything started changing. He'd show up and he he would let us know things were getting harder to find. And then we'd come back to Florida and I my brother, I, I would, I hipped him to the Weller, Weller 12, and we'd go out and buy everything we could find. It was 26, 27 bucks at the time. And uh, he was smart enough to load up on, a lot of that stuff uh, before it became out of reach. So most of the stuff we have, we got then, and then you know you, you trade things. And um, there was a good five six years on the road where I would just go go take walks and look for liquor stores, <laughs> come back and load up the bus or the whatever vehicle we were in at the time, and I'd get home and my wife would just be like, "Really, you brought more?" bird home, <laughs> I was like trust me, eventually this is going to seem like a good idea. <laughs> so
1: well yeah, well you know do you do you drink it all do you oh, share yeah. it do you what, yeah, what do we you do with we all it
3: i mean we don't really collect we we drink it and if it's if there's people over that um are fans or if they know what it is or they just are you know like the taste of it we we're not shy with pouring things so that, that's why we have it and, you know I, I noticed like certain bottles um you know you say for special occasions and sometimes it's sad occasions like i remember one night where uh uh, Warren Haynes' old guitar tech, Brian Farmer, who was a legend. He worked with Johnny Cash. He worked with a ton of people. He was just one of those guys that everybody loved. But he he passed away right when we got off the road, and I remember finding out at maybe 3 or 4 in the morning, and uh, Bobby Tease, who's the engineer in my studio, lives right down the street, he worked closely with Farmer, and um, we were talking, and I was like, I'm not going back to bed if you want to come over for a drink. And I was like, what's the the hardest thing I have in the house. And of course it's one of the those stags that was like one thirty something or whatever it was. And I, I remember just sitting yeah. around drinking with him and Sue waking up and coming downstairs and and she's like, I need one of these. I was like, I don't think you want to take a shot of this. This might hurt you. <laughs> and she's and she's crying and we're laughing, telling stories about farmer, and she bangs one back and immediately it comes back up. <laughs> I just remember thinking he would have loved that. (laughs) She's laughing, crying. And, and so that bottle has been one that whenever we lose somebody, we always go back to it. And, um, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. You get to share, you get to share some of these uh, rare things, especially the older bottles that, uh, you know, people just, you never get to taste things like that. Music is that way too. You hear something from another era and it makes you feel a certain way. And some of the stuff you're drinking is set in a barrel for 15 20 years and it's maybe 50 60 years old it's uh you know something you just can't you can't reproduce and that's uh there's a magic in that
1: yeah you know talking about you know music i mean you started getting on the stage at what 13 14 years old you were young i was nine when i started playing
3: and traveling and uh yeah feels like a a lifetime ago but um you know you you learn so much that way I, i think with music Especially the music that I grew up playing, um, whether it was blues bass or Almond Brothers influenced things, there's no there's no real school for that. You have to be out with old grizzled veterans and be on the road with them, and there's a lot to learn just by being around people. You learn a lot of uh, what to do and what not to do. <laughs> you learn a lot of musical yeah. lessons, a lot of life lessons, and you know you try to keep your head on straight. But it's uh, I-, I was really fortunate. A lot of the guys that I grew up playing with were world class musicians most of them unknown but uh you know that really had a thing and uh you know you, you just feel blessed to be around them and you just have to soak it up you know there's a lot of lot to learn out there
1: so my uh, my 1 year old loves music i mean we 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 have music on the house all the time and before any time before i have a guest on we we sit down on sunday morning and i pull up all their music all their live performances on youtube and we were watching you uh, play, and my one-year-old—he can't really talk, but he can do sign language—and he's saying "more, more, 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 more." <laughs> that's incredible. And he's—and he's only done that with one other <laughs> band uh, w- w- when we do this, and that's the Beatles. That's so incredible. You got—you got the same kind of. Uh, oh, and and "Crowded House," he does that with "Crowded <laughs> that's House." Awesome. So you got—you got the same kind <laughs> of love. Uh, as those two great bands, but, you know... Well, j- I
3: hope to meet him someday.
1: Oh, um, I, I, well, he's going to say, um, <laughs> it's nice to meet you, sir, but let's get the guitar out and let's uh, let's play it. You know, I can see him doing <laughs> that's that. That's awesome. So but, good. But it's like, you know, you can see a lot of... You, you can see, you know, the quality of music through the eyes of, of someone young. And, and it's like, I play some of the, you know, the modern pop that's, you know, auto-tuned or whatever... They don't want to listen to that. They don't care about that. They're not influenced yeah. by by the scenes. They love real music, and watching you play is like, man, I've never seen you play in person, but I look forward to that day. And you just you're just so amazing. It's like the guitar is like sewn to you, and like <laughs> you're just like feeling every single note, like. It, I don't even know what that i'm not i'm not even asking you a question i'm just saying like <laughs> how awesome you are but <laughs> well, I, I
3: look forward to you coming out man it's, um I, I look forward to getting out and playing again someday it's been <laughs> that's the longest i've ever set without doing a gig I, I mean everyone's in the same boat but I, i think uh i think when we finally get back out there it's definitely going to be a different feeling i think um i mean we we've always tried to really be aware of how fortunate we are to do what we do. I mean, we know playing music is a is a gift and my dad is a roofer. I grew up, you know, doing that kind of work with him from time to time and realizing the difference between a, a real job <laughs> and what we get to do. I mean it's hard, you travel, but we're really fortunate. But I think what we've been going through lately puts that in a whole different light and Um, so I'm, I'm excited to get back on the road and playing music again. And I I look forward to seeing you out there and and maybe a good bus hang afterwards. Yeah. We always keep the bus stocked. So (laughs)
1: let's just say that, you know, I'll be bringing something. You'll have something that, that, that bus hang might, uh, might turn into something special, (laughs) you know? So I look forward to it. Well, we, we do have some things to taste and I, I have a confession uh, to make to you, Derek. Um, I sent you the, the Weller I sent you, um and the um and the uh let's see let's see the parker's heritage i sent you i've got i've got the parker's i ran out of the i ran out of the um of the weller my wife came over and took that took that from me. So my wife's a big my wife's a big bourbon fan.
3: I love it. I you know, love your, it.
1: your wife's complaining about not, you know, not having <laughs> the uh, you know, having too much. Mine's like, "Um, why are you keeping that bottle in the office? It needs to be home." So she grabbed that bottle. That's awesome. And so and then she I will also, say Su- uh,
3: Susan has come around. She is uh she she is down for the count now. She she'll be she'll be involved in the bourbon hang.
1: <laughs> That's good. So so what I what I sent you is a different single barrel uh, than what I have. So I had, so she got the single barrel that you have. I do have another Weller single barrel, but they're going to be different. But uh, they, you know, gotcha. by by virtue of being single barrel. Now is this that? Different. Is this the and then um, the new
3: single barrel? Is that right?
1: I'm going to be um, or like
3: the unreleased.
1: Or I'm the going one... to be polishing off.
3: Yes, <laughs> beautiful. We're going to be
1: polishing this off together, my friend. That's exciting. So. This is one of the this is the greatest uh, Parker's heritage of all time, oh, that's... in my opinion. And then um, the Jefferson's Reserve is kind of a is like a standard everyday pour these days. And uh, my wife took that one as well. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. So you're you're getting a little bit of family drama. I look forward to meeting but her think... too, actually. <laughs> oh boy, you know, she is uh, she's something. You know, and she she loves music. We we that's one of our like um, things is we love going and singing live music, and and just kind of hanging out and you know, and she's got a voice on her too. I, I remember watching you all on uh, NPR, and um and and like um you know she, I, I was thinking to myself you know this is the kind of setting that my wife she's uh, she's got a kind of a jazzy you know jazzy voice and. She her dream is to be a lounge singer even though she's never done any like, you know, singing like that, but she's cool. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, shall we get to the get to yeah, it. Let's here. dive in. Let's do some uh let's do some Weller single barrel. That's exciting. Now, of course, this is the uh, this is their latest um, line extension. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. this
1: is the this is uh, basically a, a, a 97 proof product they are they're kind of known for having either the uh, special reserve or the Weller antique and then you have the Buffalo Trace antique collection William Le Weller so they are uh, coming to it with a with a single barrel now <clears throat> I love it you're
3: rocking the yeah, Glen man. Karens I, I love. I don't think I've had a Weller that I haven't enjoyed. I, this Weller's a yeah. I, good. I haven't seen this one yet. That's this is the first. So cheers. Cheers. Mm. Yeah, that's my speed love that <laughs> <laughs> that's delicious it's oh, pretty man. tasty that one sticks with you too
0: yeah
1: it's got a nice long uh finish kind of velvety for me yeah you know
3: <clears throat> no that's beautiful i i love the uh i'm, I'm assuming this one's wheat forward right this is a yeah like all wellers. yeah yeah this is this yeah. is a wheated bourbon um, mm-hmm. yeah there's there's something about the wellers in this one just I, I love this uh it's sweet but it's not it's it's not overly sweet at all like a a, a sweet bourbon yeah. can I, I don't go back to it very often but the something about the the weller mash bill that's just incredible
1: you know it's it's funny because that is the wellers for a lot of people yeah. tend to be sweet you know they tend to be like a little bit yeah. caramel balmy um but um you know this definitely has a lot of balance it's uh it's got that nice balance of sweet and spice i just uh, it's really nice the only problem is it's a yeah. single barrel so because we're tasting two you. different bottles you know the bottle that i'm tasting might be very different than and, what you're and tasting and you know I,
3: I i knew that from hearing that that's the way it was with single barrels but when we did uh we did the one barrel pick that we did um they rolled out four barrels, and it I was shocked at how i mean you could tell they were the same bourbon, but they were really different mm-hmm. they were really different from barrel to barrel, yeah and uh yeah, so that but i i think uh I think this probably uh i bet there's enough similarities here where we're drinking the same thing. I love the ninety seven proof i yeah, gotta say. well um i'm I'm a bonded a big bonded whiskey fan, but there's something really nice about the '97. I don't know if I've had a
1: anything that's uh, specifically '97. This is just uh, this is smelling good and tasting right.
3: Yeah, I I would never not want to drink mm. that bourbon. <laughs> that's a that's a great bourbon. I love that. <clears throat> I
1: think that's a really nice way to put it. I would never not want to. I mean, to there's drink some this. bourbons
3: that I love that I. I after a glass that's all i need for the night or it's not something you want to go back to often they some some things have i don't want to say too much personality but they're very they're very individual Mm -hmm. and uh yeah that's a that's an all-day all-day bourbon it's and i you know i think the special reserve is usually that's kind of our house whiskey here um and i definitely prefer this to that (laughs) i love the special reserve but that's that's kind of a cut above what what age do you yeah. think it is
1: well Six, it's seven? uh this is yeah. gonna be seven yeah it's gonna be seven years old mm-hmm yeah and um it's uh it's basically the same thing Got as it. uh weller antique uh 107 just cut Got down to 97 proof
3: sense. the uh the antique's always one of my favorite but you have to you have to be ready for it
1: it can be hot <clears throat> now speaking of being ready for it like i'm not ready for the next one because i don't have the bottle but if you wanna if you want to crack open the uh, jefferson's reserve yeah, yeah. and taste love it you. you know and because uh, this is one where i it's gonna it's lower in proof but um i'd love to see i'd love to see your comparison between the jefferson's reserve and um and the willer because you can buy this one. That's a beautiful bourbon.
3: I, I love that. Um, the The one time I had this before, we were on the road with uh, Amy Helm and her road manager, super sweet guy. Mm-hmm. He knew we were bourbon fans, and he brought a bottle of Jefferson reserve. I think it's the first time I had had it, and uh, yeah that that was uh, that one went down well it you know it, it feels uh. Feels like they're from the same the same realm to me. I don't I don't know what the Mashville is on a Jefferson's
1: Reserve, um. So Jeff- Jefferson's Reserve, uh, the the bottle that you have is uh, is a composite of several gotcha. do- different distilleries. Uh, Jeff- Jefferson's is a is is a classic, really good non distiller producer for the majority of their liquid, and uh, Trey Zoller's and uh, Chester Zoller or Chet Zoller would go out and they would acquire barrels from other distilleries and mingle them into their own unique product. And you know, Trey's really got nice. a really good palette. He's yeah. really, really good at blending, it's,
3: you know, for, a, and for a 90, it's got, it, it uh, it doesn't give up. <laughs> it, it stay stays with you. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how similar they all are, but I like, I get a lot of tobacco out of that. There's like a, and there's a nice, uh, I, I love, I love a good spicy bourbon too. So this there's, there's some
1: for a 90 that feels like it's uh it's got a lot going on. That's nice. So it looks like you got a you got a contender here uh up against the Weller or is the Weller still just a touch yeah, better let me for go you? back. As as you're doing that, I'd love I'd love for you to like, you know, think back to all the various bands that you've been in. And talk about the the bourbon scene from from each one. Like, you know, how did you, you know, how how was the bourbon scene? Like, I've been on the tour buses, and some of them are <laughs> st- pretty well stocked, and some of them are just like, you know, it, it, they're hopeless. But well, you uh, know, like I'm curious. To traveling
3: know. with the Almond Brothers, um, when I joined in '99, um, it was very much uh, no alcohol backstage, no nothing. Um, it was really keeping keeping Greg and Dickie moving down the road, <laughs> you know, you did And So the longer I was there, the more I realized, now oh, you can put some, you can sneak something in your bunk. You just don't want to leave things out. So the <laughs> bourbon scene was whatever I had with me, um, which was usually, um, like, uh, whatever single barrel I could find. Like there was, uh, I think there was a wild Turkey single barrel that I, I used to get.
1: Uh, Kentucky That's spirit. It. Yeah.
3: Kentucky spirit. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The, those were things i would kind of bring on the road but there, yeah there was no no real bourbon scene on on that tour unless i went out and and found people um our tour bus once we got our bus we we pretty well we kept it pretty stocked the The clapton tour was also uh wasn't a lot of alcohol in that tour either but <laughs> so, I, I there was definitely long spells of uh just uh, drinking at the hotel bar if you had to have
1: a drink <laughs> Yeah. Well, Eric Clapton's like, you know, super yeah. sober. You know, he's like uh, yeah. someone that no, held he, up. It, it's so. incredible. I mean, he, he's uh
3: we saw him not too long ago. Earlier this year we were in London and and went out and and saw him and he's uh, he's just a super together guy and uh you know, good for him because a lot of a lot of people from his era didn't make it out uh so well. And oddly enough, one of the other yeah. guys um that really seemed to make it out well is Steve Winwood, who um, who really loves good wine and good cigars. So I guess you can, as long as you keep it in check. <laughs> yeah, like, there's there's different ways to skin a cat. So <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess you know, in 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 music, we do look at like um, you, you do look, you, you kind of were brought into like a lot of like really responsible, you know, professional you know bands and tours that you know protected artists but you know a lot of times you don't see that you know so maybe
3: yeah I mean you know the I guess until I was 19 the all of the touring I did for I mean it was a, a decade from 9 to 19 it was it was just barreling down the road in vans and uh, eventually a Winnebago and just there, there was no uh, there was no limiters on anything it was you really had to kind of I mean my father was out with me for half of that um and then once I was out on my own it really was just hopefully taking the advice of the people that you trusted and making it count you know there was somebody I met when I was maybe 12 I think I was 12 years old when I met Colonel Bruce Hampton um he he was somebody that became a a full-on mentor he was a mentor to tons of people but he really became a kind of a musical father figure and and you know Mm -hmm. he he was a person that would hit you with the right book at the right time or the right record at the right time. Um, he was somebody that really helped you uh, kind of navigate the world and, and uh, you know, really judge people on their their intentions and actions and, and not get too bogged down in the BS. He He was great about taking talented musicians and kind of, just breaking their egos into a thousand pieces and then letting them rebuild <laughs> into better people. Like that was kind of his, his thing. You know, he, he would see people that really took themselves, uh, too seriously or, or, or believe the hype or, you know, when people were blowing smoke, they were, they, you, you would watch a lot of people come and go because of that. And Colonel was a great, a great mentor and, and, uh, making sure you were comparing yourself up and, uh, you know, he, he I, I think about things he says every multiple times a day he's just one of those people that that really stuck with you and uh yeah he he was it was a it was a tough loss when colonel went but he he's uh he's one of those living presences in your life you you never you never go too far without uh thinking about what how he would interpret a situation (laughs) he was a he was a kid i don't know if you ever got to see him or knew about him but he was uh he was quite something
1: well, I mean, it, all these years later, you know, the impression still yeah. lasts. So obviously, you know,
3: and a lot of great musicians came and through uh, him, you know. He uh <clears throat> Jimmy Herring who's now he plays widespread panic with my brother. Um he he was in the Aquarium Rescue Unit with the Colonel. He, he he's definitely a Colonel Bruce disciple O'Teal, um who played um with Colonel and then uh the Almond Brothers and then our band Desky Trucks band and now he's out with the Dead. Um, he's a colonel disciple they a lot of great musicians came through the colonel and um definitely uh are are better for it he he would always say uh i'm a minor league baseball coach (laughs) i'm just i'm just getting you guys ready like he never he never wanted his career to go too far and i think whenever it would start really taking off he would uh, kind of (laughs) self-sabotage on purpose and just break it up and start from scratch i think he liked being uh He liked being somewhat anonymous which is uh also admirable
1: yeah yeah it really is i mean you could probably touch more lives that way yeah he Um, did
3: he did directly you know
1: yeah and when you reach um you know when you reach that a level of fame too it's like you know you talk about like um you know don't believe the hype you know how do i mean and you've gotten i mean good lord you've had it You know from a very early on very early age and you know there's not you you can't put in a room people at your skill set you just you have the highest skill set for your instrument in in the world you know so how do you how do you personally you know kind of manage that um basically you know that fame and um how how do you manage that
3: I mean, it was very much guys like Bruce Hampton. And and my dad was, um, he was always great about in the early years, you know, making sure I was, uh, keeping my head on straight. I I remember when I was 12 or 13 and on the road for a bit and we were, you know, whatever kind of success we had at the time, I remember him one day saying, uh, I don't really like the way you're walking right now. (laughs) Like it was something, there was a different like hitching by step and he thought it was a little arrogant or something. And he, when he said it, I, it. It 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 kind of hit me in a place that was real. <laughs> I thought he's not wrong. <laughs> so uh, you know, having people there to kind of um, you know let you know when you're stepping out of line. And then um, Colonel was always great about pointing out your heroes. And like you know, you, you think about John Coltrane or Howlin' Wolf. You think you think you're good. <laughs> like think about these guys and what they ended up with and what they ended up doing and um, just kind of put it in perspective a little bit. There was a funny story, and uh, I, I won't name names, <laughs> but they, when I was a kid, there was there was a handful of, of child prodigy guitar players, some that ended up making it and some that just kind of burned out and some you, you don't know about. But there was one um, in the, the local radio station in town thought they'd do like a, they'd get the the prodigy guitar player from the north, and bring him down here, and we'd do a show, and we'd they'd have a house band, and it was just this silly thing. Um, and I got along with him fine, and it was it was great. And but we're doing the rehearsal, and he was definitely he was definitely believing the hype. And I and he, we took a little break, and he ordered his dad to like, Dad, you get me a coat, or he said something like he ordered his dad around like a roadie, and my my dad kind of popped my leg, and he said. If you ever talk to me like that, I'll whip your ass in front of everybody. And I was like, I didn't even do anything, man. But but it just it it, it was another time where he uh, and the people around me always made sure that you uh, you know that you, you you keep it in perspective. So that's that's a big part of it. And I'm you know I'm I'm really fortunate. I mean, um, we we all you know we all do what we do because people before us that kind of paved the way and for me some of it was family some of it was uh you know just our, our musical heritage uh, whether it was the almond brothers or colonel bruce or a lot of the blues artists that came before us and we've been lucky mm-hmm. to meet a lot of those people and uh, it's it's a humbling thing I, i'd also there's two people that stick out that everybody knows um like willie nelson and bb B. king are just the i mean they're they're ambassadors to our you know, for our country and for, in music, um, and just two of the sweetest, most humble people you will ever meet. And I remember meeting some of my other heroes that were maybe not quite B.B. Willie level. That were just assholes. Did <laughs> you go? Yeah. Wait, if B.B. King's not an asshole, he grew up on a plantation. <laughs> like he grew up in the worst circumstance. And this dude is just spreading joy and has time for everybody that he meets. And, when you meet him he makes you feel like you're long lost friends and like he, he makes time for people or did and willie's the same way um when you meet people like that it puts it in perspective too I, there's been many times where we've been on the road and you get a little burnt a little crispy and you you know you, you're like wait what am i bitching about if <laughs> if willie's not bitching B.B.'s not bitching. I, I should probably get it together here, so you got to have good heroes.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> it is, man. It is. Good heroes are important. Uh, so, so to go back to the bourbon, who's winning in this little taste-off for you? Is it Jefferson's, or is it uh, Weller? You know,
3: I went back to the Weller, and I, I've, I think I'm, I'm, I'm in the Weller camp. That being said, I really did enjoy the Jefferson more than, more than I even remembered that's really good and and i think you can tell it's a blend and that's not a bad thing but it's it's really uh it's just a it's it's smooth there's something i mean it, it you' you feel it but it's uh it i can i can definitely see it's uh a lot of people could drink this and and feel really good about
1: it with <laughs> nothing wrong with that i mean it's uh you know Jefferson's reserve is available in most markets uh 30, 40 bucks. Yeah. So, That's a quality
3: yeah. bourbon, man. I
1: really like that. So now we're going to go to the um, the Parker's Heritage. This is uh, an 11-year-old uh, single barrel. Uh, speaking of heroes, this is named after uh, Parker Beam, who was a hero of mine in the bourbon world. He died a few years ago of, uh, of ALS. And um, he was a, a master distiller before it was cool. You know, he was making whiskey before anybody really cared about it. And then, you know, one day, you know, bourbon starts taking off. And there's a story that, uh, you know, that uh, his his friend and PR person, Larry Cass, always tells is that he's at Whiskey Fest, and then there's a thousand people there just going around booths and. Drinking whiskey and talking to the distillers, and he's, um, you know, Parker's like this. He's a farmer. He's a distiller, and he's just he's into making whiskey, yeah. not necessarily talking to people. And he's like looking around this room on a weekday, and he and he turns over to Larry and he says, "Don't these people have jobs?" <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> he he just was not, you know, he was he was a, one of the original rock stars of Master Distillers. Uh, when they were finally getting the acclaim they deserved, and he was just always kind of like, "Yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm gonna go make whiskey. You know, yeah. you guys talk it up how you want. My people, but I'm a whiskey love that maker. Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, man. But he died of uh, ALS in, um, God, I want to say it was, uh, I think it was 20. It was either 2017 or 2018, and they continue this this uh, series after named after him. And they donate a portion of the uh, proceeds to the ALS Foundation. So I always like you know talking about that because ALS is a yeah. horrible, horrible yeah. disease. Now, this is packing some heat, though. It's 122 proof, yeah, you so can, uh, prepare the palate.
3: You, you can feel it <laughs> coming already. <laughs> the
1: nose. You're like, whew. Oh, man.
3: Oh man. That's a good whiskey, right? That's doing a good it for you huh? Right there. Yep. I mean it's what that's one twenty two, but it it uh it doesn't present that hot. I don't know. That that uh Mm-mm. there's a immediate amount like I know it's only eleven years, but I feel like I really taste the barrel in a good way. I feel like there's a lot of oak in that sucker.
1: Um Love it though. As my friend Kenny would say, it's got the sweet oak. Note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's sweet oak.
3: Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah, this is. Um, these are single barrels, so you know each one would also be a little yeah different. But I think that this is the this is the best release that, that uh, has ever came out from the Parkers.
3: That that's a uh, collection yeah it's a cut above man that's a that's one that you uh that's special occasion bourbon right there i mean i drink it all the time if i could <laughs> but that's uh that's one that i would certainly uh break out with the right crew that's amazing really really good mm. i i no go ahead so as we're go ahead i was gonna say oh no, go, go ahead um, i don't i don't always taste a lot of like a lot of the descriptors, I don't know if I always taste, but um, but this one, like oak and uh, and cherry, for some reason, which isn't normal for I don't usually taste that, um, but that's that's a beautiful beautiful whiskey.
1: Cherry's is yeah. a beautiful note when you can find it. You know, it's not in it's not in all of them. So as we kind of go on to like a, a historic, a truly genuinely historic uh, whiskey, I was curious. Um, what are your favorite venues to play because like, you know, I, I don't, I don't ever feel like guitarists ever really get a chance to like answer that question. It's always like the, uh, you know, the, the, the lead singer, the vocalists are always, you know, saying, I like this place cause it bounces off. But you know, what's, what's, what's your favorite place to play? And is it, does, do venues make the guitar sound differently?
3: certainly i mean uh and it's funny man because it can really be from night to night i mean certain venues that you always look forward to going back to and i find a lot of times it's the theaters that were built in the 20s to the 50s um there's something about the acoustics in those places but the uh the beacon theater there's something about it i don't know if it's because i've been in that room for hundreds of shows at this point um but it 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 just feels right. Like when you dial it in, it's magic and the the crowd feels right. And the sound coming off the stage feels right. But we do a lot of multi-night runs. So it amazes me how much it changes from one night to the next. And a lot, a lot of that's what you're pushing off the stage. You know, there's some nights where you hit the stage a little more wound up than others. And you fill the room with a little more energy and sound. And it's with us, it's a very dynamic band. So a lot of it's about, um, saving your saving your shots at certain times and and not not everyone playing too hard or too loud right out of the gate or just making sure that there's enough room for for the room to handle it. So um but the the beacons a magical spot. Uh Red Rocks is a magical spot. It's just a a beautiful place. But that place is uh mm-hmm. is challenging. Um I I think it was probably the 10th show that I played at Red Rocks where it finally felt like wow, we did it. (laughs) Every other time you feel like you're just holding on and you're battling the elements. Sometimes it's rain, sometimes it's wind, sometimes. And those things really affect the sound. I mean, there's a really windy night. You'll be playing and you can feel a gust of wind just blow all of the front of house sound. You just feel it, you know, you feel like you're playing to nothing, like a vacuum all of a sudden. Um, There were times we played with the Almond Brothers where it was raining and they, I remember they built this like, uh, this plastic, Tent around Greg, and he just had a little cutout. <laughs> it looked like he was at an ice cream truck or something. Just the—I mean, there's certain places they—you really have to—you uh, have to either just give in to it or hope you get the right elements. Um, but there's a magic to that because then when you do, it's—it really feels like you—you you did something. Um, the, the Fox in Oakland is—is is one that I really love, and it's there's not many venues that size where people can stand up. Uh, usually, it's seated. And that's just a different energy. Um, With the Fox, the floor is all standing. So it it feels like when you were playing clubs back in the day, um, but it's also three or 4,000 people, and it's a a different energy. Um, Those venues stand out. The Warner in D.C. I like an awful lot, too. Um, And some of them you just have memories with. Um, You know, a lot of these stages we played a long time, and we have a lot of history on them. And, you know, we played with a lot of people, on those stages and aren't here anymore. So there's certain places you walk in and you'll remember a conversation you had with your uncle in a certain dressing room or Kofi or Colonel Bruce or Greg or BB King, or, you know, we've lost a lot of really close people in the last handful of years. So some of these venues hold, there's ghosts in them, but in a good way, you know, you, you feel, you feel people. And there's certain venues yeah. where you really feel people. And it, I think, I think there's something, special about that um, the Fox in Atlanta is one I mean that's the place where uh, we were playing Colonel's 70th birthday when he he went out on stage there so um, that it was really hard to go back to that venue and, and play not to, it was just a few months later we had a gig there um, but you, you know you feel people's presence in certain places so I think that that factors into the places that I enjoy playing but a lot of it is those classic theaters I got to say
1: you know you you mentioned you mentioned uh you know greg allman of course we lost him in 2017 and um you know he actually has a you know there's a bit of a a bourbon connection with the with the allman brothers uh corky taylor the founder of uh kentucky peerless distillery was roommates with them in military school
3: (laughs) um
1: back in the whatever whenever that was and so he's got some good stories and i and he was uh, he was at the funeral, and you know, and was uh, you know, I was curious if um, you know before you know before he had passed away, you know, did he ever get to a point where he could you know enjoy bourbon um, or you know I I never had a, a, a drink much. with
3: Greg, smoked a lot of weed with him, <laughs> but that was you know that was his only vice uh, for the last few decades. I think he uh, I think he drank up his quota before I was around or actually I was playing in his band when I was 13 or 14 in a solo band. And that was towards the end of his uh, his heavy drinking days. Um, But I wasn't hanging with him on that level then. Um, But, uh, yeah, I, I was never around him. No no I, wasn't Dear God, I hope not. I wasn't that story. <laughs> <laughs> My dad hung around to make sure uh I, I, I knew which way was up
1: before he turned me free <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, so as we go to really uh again, this is a, a, a this is an iconic bottle which oh, it never really got Look the, the credit it really deserved but this. This is from uh, this is this was from 1942. Purple. This is a blend of uh, straight whiskeys that um, are at least five years old. And the story behind this bottle and other bottles of the time, yeah, uh, which I had to replace the cork, but the bottle is the bottle is is the same. Um, coming out of prohibition with. The, the whiskey distillers didn't have a lot of stocks. So they had, to, they had to do things that we, you know, they had to blend a bunch of barrels together. So this could have, let's see, this could have, you know, it doesn't say where these whiskeys are from, but these whiskeys could have came from all over the country. So there could be like, you know, five or six different yeah, yeah. distilleries in here from five or six different uh, states. But when you see it's a blend of straights, that's a that's different than a blend, uh, or a blended whiskey. So a blend of straights means that they are blending in several distilleries, uh, that are in the whiskeys at least two years old. The term straight and gotcha. whiskey means it's at least two years old and nothing, nothing can be added to it, you know, whereas like an American blend, they can add, they add grain neutral spirit. So it could, it'll have, uh, a lot of grain-neutral spirit in there, and coloring, gotcha, and just gotcha. a little bit of whiskey. So it's yeah, really I've never not seen whiskey. blended
3: Straits. That's, that's incredible. So,
1: so there's, it's starting to make a little bit of a comeback, but for a long yeah. time the term blend was a dirty word in American whiskey, but this oh, is when they were doing it right. So this, my friend, is from 1942, and um, the also the uniqueness of that year. Was the U.S. government mandated that the distilleries shut down in October of 1942 because they needed the grains uh, the for yeah. the the war effort? My
3: grandfather was uh, you know, and in
1: 1942,
3: where would he have been? Maybe an island on his way over. He's 101, still kicking. Old old Claude H. Trucks. Him oh, and wow. Elmer T. Lee. <laughs> they had their 100th birthday together. <laughs> well, man, thank I you love for sharing that. this. This is, uh, yeah, cheers. Yeah, Incredible. cheers. yeah i mean it yeah you know it's whiskey I've, from it another time better you know? to me than that I, I, man that sucker held up too <laughs> there is nothing yeah. wrong with that
1: holy cow it was wow. it was perfectly stored um you know good condition the only the only downside to these old bottles is that once you crack open that cork you yeah. really do need to drink it you can't let you can't let that much oxygen oxygen get in there for too long and play around with it you need to either you need to like you know get it where there's less oxygen in there which are yeah, yeah. You know, gas pumps and things that you can use or you can put it in another container or you just drink it drink it with friends so
3: so how how long would you give it once you open it
1: uh these bottles that have been sitting around for a long time, and this is this is me, this is not this is my theory. Um, but I think you've got to uh, I think you've got to like finish it within you know six months unless you unless you have uh, a plan in place to uh, you know basically nullify the amount of oxygen that's getting in there.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to know we have we have a few that we should probably work through soon. <laughs> but i'm but i'm also talking about but i'm talking
1: about bottles from like 60s and before you know so, yeah, so anything yeah. that's recent would be a different different story uh yeah. just because they have been sitting around for so long so
3: there, there's nothing
1: like the, the old uh-oh. <laughs> i just dropped I that a, wasn't that bottle it, <laughs> i just dropped my glass of 1942 <laughs> four roses oh, Shit, but the glass didn't break
3: hey if you have to get down there and <laughs> that's all i got left
1: oh man that's like oh man it's like the the bottles like drink me in six months <laughs> motherfucker fuck you you're gonna drop your glass that's amazing
3: that's the uh that's the extreme high end of pouring one out for your <laughs> fellas that couldn't be here. Yeah, that. Uh,
1: <laughs> wow. At least I got a little sip left. So. Well,
3: cheers to that last yeah. sip.
1: <laughs> cheers. I mean, you see, it's got just a little bit there. Uh no, I think I did. There's
3: nothing like those vintage bourbons, man. There's nothing you like know. it. It's and just they're so
1: good. They're so unique. They're so unique. So different. They've yeah. got, uh, you know, you got to think about the grain was different then. The water was different. Uh, you're looking at first growth wood in most cases. You know, the. What a trip. They, they were didn't, I didn't. No, no think computers. So, yeah. It's great.
3: The air was different. Mm hmm. Okay. So, yeah, a, you know. It's...
1: Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was gonna say let's 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 take a look back through uh, our whiskeys here. You know we had two really, you know, stellar classics. You know the Four Roses and the Parker's Heritage, and then we have one kind of like rising star in the Weller Single Barrel, which, you know, a lot of people are gonna be like, "Screw you, I can't get that bottle," which, I'm sorry, but it's good. Yeah. Really, really, really <laughs> it good. It Does happen to be good. It happens but, to be you know, good. Everyone
3: would say that about the Four Roses as well. So, no, no one's finding that sucker on the shelf. No. <laughs> well, I mean, the the Four Roses is just that's next next level. You can't. That's the, I, the best the best bourbons I've ever tasted. Um, I, I would put this right in that that handful and most of the other ones were late nights at a place like Jack Roses or we found this whiskey bar in uh in Nagoya Japan where it was this this older guy that just had a ridiculous collection and they were insanely uh normal prices <laughs> oh wow we just sat at the bar and drank old old bourbon with him and it was it was just it was really something um yeah but that's just that's a different experience that's like I find this with uh, vintage instruments too. Uh, like a 59 Les Paul is, you know, it's one of the Holy Grail instruments and they're a quarter million dollars or a half million dollars, and, which is why I don't have one. <laughs> but <laughs> you play them and you go, fuck, they're really, really good. <laughs> like I want it to not be. Um, but there's something about the great, the great vintage bourbons and that Four Roses. I, I wasn't even familiar with that one. Um, that's, a, that's a real treat. So yeah, that one, uh, that one's out ahead of the pack. <laughs> it's, it's a good yeah. pack, but I, I don't I know mean, how you would. I'm going
1: to have to lick it up off the floor. I mean, I can't just. I wouldn't I can't judge you just... at
3: all. <laughs> 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 I might judge you if you didn't. <laughs> you know,
1: it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah,
3: good man. I mean, and the Parker's heritage. Yeah, I mean that's that's an amazing thing. I'd I'd put that right a shade above the the Weller, which I love, um, and the I mean those were all four yeses. <laughs> those are all yeah. all four great drinkers, but uh, yeah, I mean, pretty wildly different from the first to the last.
1: You know, it's interesting, like going for, going on this uh, going on this little you know whiskey journey. It's it it's no. It's no different than like like trying to find what what you like and you're a whiskey drinker and you kind of know what you like, but this is the process you know yeah. you have to you have to keep tasting you have to keep playing around out there it's it's almost you know it's almost like music you know totally and you, and there's certain
3: have... things that are that are really good that you might not like, <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know what's really good you like the quality you can taste generally um i I've found lately. I forget where I had it for the first time. It might've been in DC. Um, but I had one of those, uh, like a 1980s, uh, old granddad, just a.
1: a oh yeah. Up. From national distillers, 86 proof, 86 just.
3: proof, man. It was one of the best things mm-hmm. I've ever had. I've been on the search for that yeah. ever since. And, um, for a while you could find them for not like, not much money, like less than You're talking a hundred bucks for a, a bottle from the eighties or even less for a while you could find them, but all that stuff's drying up. Um, but I I love so that now,
1: stuff. now, that we know that you are a, a dusty hunter, um, there are friends of the show who will chime in, and say, "Hey, send him my spreadsheet." Hey, um, <laughs> I've got uh, I've got like a, a case of uh, '70s turkey. See if he's interested. So I got guitars it, to trade.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't have any you, gigs, so I don't, I don't know how far I can dip <laughs> into the account. But I definitely have some guitars laying around.
1: You know, <laughs> or bottles, v- vinyl. Vinyl might do it you I have know vinyl for people too. who who might be on the on the lookout for a trade another bottle I you think- know I mean you got a you got a nice collection back there I'm seeing some pappies. you got the you got the classic Hirsch the 16 year old
3: yeah there's a uh, I have a, a lot of the uh, older style Wellers too that we were getting before before the bottle change and uh, one of my favorites of all time is the the Weller Centennial.
1: and Oh yeah that's
3: one of the best Best pours I've ever had. So we oh, found a few you know, of those white bottles. Label. Yeah, um, and, and that square bottle um, that they put out—it's almost like the Elmer T bottle from I don't yeah. know. Was it 80s or 70s? I'm not sure when that would have been. Maybe so early 90s. Was,
1: yeah, that was uh, the United Distillers uh, time frame. So uh, it was been in the 90s. Gotcha. Um, so that was pre pre uh, Sazerac, and yeah, yeah, it's good stuff, man.
3: And it, here's the one I have to send you, so I need to get an address at some point. But that's the uh, our trucks family reserve.
1: Oh, uh, I love that
3: Full-proof label that my brother Dwayne, who's a great drummer, his wife uh, Cameron Cameron Herring uh, did the the label for us. But it's a really good uh, Weller um foolproof. It, it's holding up. We that's been the quarantine uh, booze of choice. <laughs>
1: I love it. Well, <laughs> a, few, a few drops of you water, know, but- you're good to go. Before, uh, before we canceled the, uh, you know, canceled it, you know, because of COVID and everything. Uh, I used to, I, I co-founded and co-produced a, a festival called Bourbon and Beyond. Oh yeah. And I knew and that we was had you. like, you know, we had a lot, we had a lot of bluesy stuff there. I was the bourbon side of it. Yeah. Danny Wimmer Presents was the everything else. And um, you know, I curate the panels. And when, once that gets back going man i am thinking that we could have a great round table of uh picking barrels and uh you know and sipping whiskey and do you do you ever sip a little bit before you go on stage these days or you know what or do you wait? I
3: always keep uh i don't sip before but i put a glass of whiskey on stage and and kind of throughout the show go back to it and visit it
1: <laughs> so oh i my, keep what whiskey's that um i mean it it
3: depends on on what we have on the bus uh if if i feel like We've had a, a few good shows in a row. I might pour a little bit of Weller 12 in there. <laughs> kind of kind of gauge it on uh, – it's, it's a little bit performance-based. <laughs> like how well the shows have been going, if I feel like I have my act together, so, I, I'll reward myself with better bourbon. <laughs> so
1: so we know how you're feeling if you're, like, sneaking up a little bit of Jim Beam White on the backstage. Oh yeah, and... no, I, I would have deserved it
3: <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> An ass pocket so what do you
1: got? <laughs> what do you got cooking? What do you got cooking right now, music-wise? You know, we've been
3: we've been doing a lot of writing uh, as a band, even though we're not all together. We've we've a few of us have gotten together, um, but we we had this idea where we we took a and and for now I won't even throw out what it is, but we took a a, a book that we had everyone read, an old poem, and then we just had everyone to take a stab at writing towards it, you know. So everyone's kind of taking different different angles at the same different bites at the same apple, you know. And uh just just mm-hmm. as kind of a an exercise in writing and keeping productive and we've been kicking a lot of ideas back and forth. Um we have our studio here behind our house, so uh me and Bobby T's our engineer, we've been mixing a lot of stuff that we just haven't been able to get around to, a lot of old live shows. We had this really, really amazing uh concert that we were a part of in 2015 with the surviving members of the Mad Dogs and Englishmen, which was the Joe Cocker band. And it was, uh, Mm -hmm. we had Leon Russell and maybe 12 members of the original band in our group. So it was 20 people on stage. And it was just a a magical few days of rehearsal. And then the show was great. So we've been mixing that live show. Uh, We have an old vintage mid 60s Neve console, um, um, kind of like a, it's also like a great whiskey (laughs) where it just, there's something about that era and that sound. Um, So we've been out there analog, mixing to tape. Um, And then we did did a show with uh, Trey Anastasia. Um, We did the Layla record last year at Lock In, this festival. So we're in the middle of mixing that now. We're trying to stay busy, you know. Um, I traded in my sports car for for an RV so I could take the family on a trip to see the grandparents in the middle of all this because traveling is just a mess and you can kind of – you can hole up. And I was feeling a little nostalgic for the old band RV days. So – about four days ago, I, I I parted with my my really fast sports car. I, I'd been getting too many speeding tickets anyway, so I put myself on probation and <laughs> went full Clark Griswold. And uh, we're gonna actually we're leaving tomorrow morning. We're piling in, gonna go see Susan's family. So we're you know we're trying to stay busy, trying to stay safe. I was telling you earlier, my grandfather's 101, and my uh, my parents live down the street. So we're trying to really. Um, stay on our toes with that. We don't want to get anyone sick. And, um, you know, if you were in Patton's army and marched across France and Germany in the mid forties, you don't need to be catching a a bug from your grandkids. (laughs) Like, uh, so we're trying to keep everyone around us safe too. And, um, focusing on that, but you know, it's, it's an odd time, you know, I think everybody is, uh, you know, everyone's trying to stay sane the best way they can. And a, a lot of, uh, a lot of hanging with the people that are close to you. I'm, I'm enjoying the time with our kids. I mean, my son is leaving in a few weeks for college, um, heading to Florida State University, and um, uncertain.
1: Oh, shit, that's the party school. Well, luckily for that's
3: him, he's much, much smarter and more together than I am. Like, he is – I don't worry about him very much. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, it's a weird time to be sending your kid off to school when you don't even know if there's going to be in-person classes and, and everything. Our daughter is 15, and – I mean, since they were born, me and Susan have both been on the road nonstop with our solo bands and everything else. So we're trying to really enjoy this time while we have it with the, the four of us at home. And it's the most time we've ever had all together as a unit. And uh, so, you know, trying to, trying to be really thankful for the things that are, that are great and, and, uh, and stay as busy as you can. And, um, but, you know, we're all, we're all in the same boat at this point. It's hard to, hard to make plans or really do yeah. anything. So you, you do what you can.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, you know, you, you know, from a creative perspective too, like, you know, you can, you, the writing seems to be something that a lot of musicians are doing, but like they can't get out and perform and it's eating them alive. But you just, you just, you got bourbon, you know, so you're, you're grounded.
3: And, and I will say, I, I love, I love playing and I love playing live and I love being out with the band and the everything that comes with that but i I don't have that uh I don't have that chip that a lot of people have where they where they need the uh they need the feedback or i'm I'm pretty content at home or fishing or <laughs> like I'm, um i i miss I miss being productive and i, I miss um there, there's a feeling that you get when you're playing with a band and improvising and and digging into these just hitting these places or exploring musically that you can't get sitting around playing. Um, in the studio or as much as you sit down and practice and shed, it, it's not the same thing as like, you know, it's, I think it's like sports. There's a difference between practicing and being out in live action. And yeah. there's, there's just a feeling you get after a great night of music or even on a bad night, there's one or two moments where you really feel like your feet come off the floor a little bit. And I, I, really, I miss that part of it. Um, and, and I miss the, the communal thing that happens with, with the audience. Um, But I'm, I'm oddly content. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the time while I can, you know, and it kind of eats on some people more than others. Uh, but I, I feel lucky that I've, I i, I do not mind sitting in one place. I've never done it. So it's new to me, but it's, uh, I'm finding that I enjoy it. We, we have a little farm up in middle Georgia and, uh, my, one of my best friends, longest, uh, musical friends is Jimmy Herring, who's an incredible guitar player and, uh, who is, just addicted to bass fishing <laughs> so we have a few oh nice. we have a bass lake up on our property and he's been up there i think almost every single day since the lockdown um and the few times we've been able to make it up to the farm he shows up set your watch to it around 3 30 he's showing up he fishes until sunset and you know we'll go and talk to him and he goes i feel bad i haven't played a lot and I might be as happy as I've ever been. <laughs> he's just getting to fish every day. And I, I love it. And now he's back to shedding a few hours a day because he practices as much as anybody I know. Um, but he had a good few months of like really changing gears and uh, just being out and being outside. And so that I, I think as much of that as you can do is good to get out and breathe some air if you can.
1: <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah. It's true. And remove yourself from, uh, you know, from the, from the digital oh, world man. and just go live it's you important
3: know? man turn the tv off everyone's yelling at you <laughs> i just you yeah. don't have to you don't have to listen to it all the time i mean i you know i read the i read a few newspapers every day and you got you stay up on it but uh the, control the things you can and you know try to make the world a little bit of a better place. It's there's there's a lot of work to
1: do. And I do <laughs> I agree. I do believe that this right here is one way to make the world a better place responsibly. Amen. If you can have a if you can have a sip with a friend, do it. If you have to do it virtually, do it Amen. that way, but but Derek, thank you so much for coming on the show. Just an absolute blast having you. Back at you, man. Um I, I I meant what I said. I think you're the greatest, and uh, it's just it's just great to sit here and sip whiskey with you. And I, I got to go lick <laughs> the floor now. I mean, so this stuff, the you, fumes man. are coming up from I'm the floor. You. It's Well,
3: mm, well thank good. you so much, man. It's been a, a pleasure, and I really appreciate uh, you sharing this with me and uh, look forward to doing it in person someday. So uh, hopefully the first of many hangs.
1: Right on, Cheers. man. I look forward to that back to that uh, tour bus <laughs> loaded right. with all the good stuff. I'll be ready for you. <laughs> Cheers, Cheers, man. And be well. Wasn't that great? I just really enjoyed my time with Derek, and I hope to actually sit down with him in person with the the bottle of bourbon. I think you know if I'm going to do if I'm going to sit down with him and have a bourbon, it's gonna to have to be. I'm gonna to have to bring it. You know, I'm going to have to bring something really rare and old because he's not, after what I just sent him, that rare Four Roses, he's not going to settle for anything else from me. <laughs> but, you know, he if, if you haven't already, go download all of his music, go check him out. He, and I would also say spend some time on YouTube and look for his live performances because, you know, just watching him strum and move his fingers across the guitar, it's like, it's art. It's pure art. And I love watching him play. So that'll do it for this week. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search for my name, Fred Minnick, and give us a review while you're at it on the however you get your podcast. Um, it helps with the algorithms, and we're basically we're dominated by algorithms today. But for those of us who are creators, we live by them. And so, like anytime you can click a like button, or anytime you can like subscribe. That helps us basically keep the lights on. So thanks for tuning in, and be safe out there. Don't go licking handrails. Don't go licking trash cans. And remember, vodka sucks unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. Cheers.
0: You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by Beeline. Visit findyoursippingpoint.com, by Michter's American Whiskies, and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. For more information on Fred's books, articles, and more, just go to fredminnick.com.